what I'm talking about right here. This is great. It, it is. It really is, guys. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about. That I really believe the greatest need in our churches today, honestly, is to get our men involved. And, and, and guys, what a challenge. Now, some of you guys are a lot younger than some of I've been here. I've been doing this for a long time. And guys, it's not that we haven't tried over the years. We've tried different things, but we never figured it out. To be honest, guys, we just never quite figured it out. So we've we got to take another look at that. And I'm not going to stand here today and say, when you leave here, you will have it figured out. No, nah, it ain't going to quite work that way. But I hope that we can direct some thoughts. We can direct some interest, if you will, in taking a look at this. So first of all, let me introduce myself as we still got a few coming in. My name is Keith Stevens. I am... Yeah, you can move the chairs right out here in the middle, guys. That's good. We'll just make another aisle. Good stuff. And this is great. Great. Great, great, great. <laughs> That's right, man. Light them up. Light them up. We got one more cheer there, Tom. Come on, man. Oh, are they really? <laughs> I'll wait just a second here to see where they're coming, so we only have to say it once. Yep. Yep. This kind of problems you'd like to have in church every Sunday, wouldn't you? Amen. <laughs> Chad. There you go, sir. It's a chair right there for you. Are you Conan Stevens' dad? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 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 And and proud of it. Okay, that's right, man. That's my boy. That's right, man. And my younger son was here. Some of you saw him a few minutes ago. He got all this set up for me. That's my youngest son. My middle son, Shane, he lives down in Florida. Now, you see how tall and thin my boys are. Shane is like 6'1", goes 200 pounds. Conan, he's a buck 50. Soaking wet. That's on a good day. <laughs> that's with his hunting boots on. That's right, man. And, uh, for sure. For sure. Uh, that's true. That's right. But guys, my son Conan and I are the co-men's directors of, of, of the network here in Ohio. And we've been doing it. You know, we just kind of got involved in this and uh, actually about a year last September, I think. And one of the first things we began to do was to say, hey, man, when we first got here. It's like, man, let's check out the state and see how many great men's ministries we have. Now, now don't misunderstand. There's there's some there's some really some pretty solid men's ministries. But really, guys, just just to be fair and not to offend anybody. We're really not rocking the house on anything with men's ministry. I, I, I believe we're, you know, and, and are we not thankful for the few that's got something going, right? But guys, we, we need to really take a look at this. And um, once again, I just need to introduce you a little bit here. I, I am the uh, lead pastor at Grace Fellowship uh, Assembly of God Church in uh, Canton, Ohio. Um, we went there back about eight years ago and started a church plant. And God has done amazing things. If you all saw the facility God gave us, it was just, you can't call it anything but a God thing. You know, God just took this thing and, and we're running around 225, uh, 200 to 225 right in there. And good things are happening. But we're right now at the, on the edge of something. I don't know what else to call it, but something great. God's up to something. And he's not just up to something in Canton, a Grace Fellowship. God's up to something all over this country, all around this world, I'm sure. But guys, I think part of that something that God's up to, I'm really believing God's going to start lighting some fire under some of the men. But I think they've got to be encouraged first. 
I want to share with you, if I may, I want to share with you guys. A, well, let me go back up just a little bit later. Some of you all help me out here a minute. And um, Conan, my son, if you would come up here to the board. How many of you, what, are you, what would you hope to take out of this gathering here today? What would, any of you, if, what would it look like if you, if you walked out of here as a winner, that this class was a real winner? What would it look like? Yes? How to keep men in business. How to keep men in men's ministry. Would you write that down for me? There you go. Something up, Chad? Being active as well, being not just, uh, not just a, a men's breakfast, but actually a men's group that's doing something. Yeah. Okay? Yep. That's good. How to get men to build friendships with other men. Great. Great. You're going to have to write a little faster, son. Yep. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here we go. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yep. How to be the men and the fathers and the husbands. Yep. When we look at men's ministry, we look at the rounded part of men's ministry, right? We look at the big deal. But guys, before I go any farther, let me introduce you to the national men's director of the Assemblies of God for the United States, our own Tom Grote. Tom, good to have you. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yep. Of course, John Wooten comes as soon as I walk in. He says, you know the National Youth Men's Director is going to be in your class. I'm going, whoa. Oh, it's just Tom. So you know, that's right. Yeah. Oh, man, I thought. (laughs) That's right, man, I was. But, But listen, man, Tom's in the right place. Pretty awesome. He's, he's going to do something across this nation in men's ministry. I really believe that. And um, he's pretty excited about that. He's also uh, Christian education, I believe, for the, for, the, for, the state of, for the United States. Not just, I keep coming back to Ohio. So, Tom, really, it really is good to have you back. Just can't stay away from Ohio, but you know what? It's your roots, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right, man. I love it. Yep, yep, yep. More football than basketball, but that's okay. That's, that's no, we're still in it. That's right. Anything can happen. Oh, hey. Well, hey, guys, any other thoughts? Any other things you think you might leave? Yes. The idea of men being on strike or like going galt in our culture. I don't know if you've heard people talk about that, but uh, in general in our culture, but I think it affects our churches pretty heavy. And, and phrase that first part again. Uh, just going on strike. Like, yeah, I got you. I check out. I don't want yep. you know. Yep. And how, how many fathers are we seeing that happen to across our country? The men, the men aren't aren't stepping up, guys. They're not. Yes? I was thinking more about uh, we have our teenage boys turning men into men as That's well good. with men. Yep. Get them involved. Yep. Us. These young boys need good mentors, don't they? Yeah. They do. But they're not going to find it until the men are mentored, I think, until the discipleship process takes place. They've got to do more. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Any other thoughts? Before we go, because we're going to try to answer some of these questions or at least give us a direction to go in in our thinking. But I want to just begin by, by sharing with you what I feel are very disturbing statistics. OK, one of the statistics is 63 percent of suicides are from fatherless homes. What is we what is that saying? Men not not being men. 63%, 85% of all children that exhibit behavior disorders. Guys, 85% come from fatherless homes. Look at this one. 80% of rapists come from fatherless homes. Guys, what's that saying? Once again, if men takes the place they would be, rapes would be down 80%. How about this one? 71% of all high school dropouts 
71% come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions. Guys, I honestly, you know, when I first heard these things, I'm thinking, wow, yeah. But the more I thought about these things, 70% of the criminals in the United States don't have a dad. They don't have a man influence in their life. And, and 85% of all youth, okay, that's just an operated institutions in the state. 85% of all youth sitting in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. So I don't think we got to get to the point where we got to prove that we need men to step up. Listen to this last one. Um, and this one is one of the most disturbing. Well, they're all disturbing. But 73% of adolescent murderers come from fatherless homes. Ted Bundy, Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, Lee Harvey Oswald, Charles Manson, Jack the Ripper. They all grew up without a male influence in their life. Guys, when I think of things like that, honestly, it's like the difference men could have made. How many of these terrible things would have never happened if men would have stepped up and be the men that God wanted them to be? So once again, guys, so we don't have to really defend it or even try to convince you how important men are to society or how important they should be to society. So our biggest challenge is, how do we get these guys to come around? And guys, I really believe with all my heart, it's got to start somewhere. And what better place than the church? What better place than the gospel of Jesus Christ somehow reaching these guys? It's, it's, just, it's just a very important thing. So listen here a couple more thoughts. If we win a child to Christ, 3.5% of the time, the family will come to church. If we win a woman to Christ, 17% of the time, the family will come. If we win a man to Christ, 93% of the time, the family comes to church. Guys, these are proven statistics. But let me just share with you a moment, and I don't want nobody to get offended in here. If you all get offended, no, wait a minute. If you... <laughs> I don't know where that one came from. I'm sorry. Wait, wait Let me back up here a minute. But seriously, guys, in all sincerity, how dysfunctional this family called the church really is when it comes to men's ministry, okay? If you want to build the church, here's what the world tells us. Here's what, here's what we've learned. If you want to build the church, focus on the children and the youth. I've been a youth pastor for 20 years. I know what that's like, and I know how important that is. And once again, youth's a whole lot easier than men. Women's ministry is a whole lot easier uh, than reaching men. But once again, uh, these children come into our, our homes or into our churches and these wives, and, and we minister to them for an hour and a half, maybe on Sundays, and we send them back. And folks, if you'll let me, guys, if you'll let me use this terminology, sometimes we send them back into the hell that they're living at home with a drunken father or no father, nobody at home to take care of them. So... Guys, I, I know this picture, if you will, is, is, is not a pretty picture in our society. But think about this for a moment. If we've got the women and the children and the youth, if you will, as the stronger parts of our church, what enemy, what enemy would not welcome a battle like that? Where the men are standing in the back while the women and the children are on the front lines. And isn't this the spiritual truth? Isn't it, guys? And, and once again, so... 
I, I still back up to say I, I'm pretty confident. I don't have to convince you guys of how important and why. But I just want to give you some points and things that show you that there's a reason, even more important than I think many of us thought, uh, that we would have a men's ministry. Um, uh, if, you, if you take just a thought, a moment, we've actually learned to do church without men. We've actually learned to do it. And once again, it's not because we wanted to. None of us wants to. But we, what do we do to get them to come? Churches, I think, are financially weak. We have weak churches that offer no ministry to men. It leads to, to weak marriages. It leads to weak families. And, and the result is morally corrupt society. Does that ring a bell at all? And what's happened today? And guys, I really believe you can, you, if you really study this, you can put it back to the fact that men aren't manning up and taking their responsibilities serious. And, and we need to do something to try to make it happen. And I wish today I had this magic wand. So when you guys leave here, here, I got one for every one of you guys. Take us back to church. Just wave that puppy all over the place and watch what happen. Guys, there is no easy way. There is no guaranteed way. But I believe with all my heart that God's faithful. And if we will do our part, I just know He will do His. Isn't that a God thing? That, and He will. We, we, we have to have men, if you will, to be spiritual leaders. We, we've got to figure this out. We've got to let the, the fighting of the weaker vessels say, sweetheart, step back here. I'm gonna, I'll take care of the devil here. You know, I'll take care of the enemy in my home. I'll take care of what's coming against my church. Guys, what a, what, pastors, what would it be like if a bunch of men just come around and you said, we got your back, pastor. Don't worry about this devil thing no more. You just go and preach the word. You know, what would happen? Guys, what would that feel like? I can't say. Now, I've had different guys in my church. Don't misunderstand. I've got some guys right now that pray for me before I ever step out on that platform on Sunday mornings. Uh, there's, there's a few guys that come and I kneel right down in front of these guys, man, and they pray for me. And, and, and it's powerful. And I've got good men. Guys, don't, don't miss We all have good men in our church, don't we? We've got some. But you know we don't have enough. We're not really reaching out and really hammering what I think we, we really need to hammer. So we got just a short time here, but I want to begin to share something with you. Most men's ministries, they perish, they perish, they fall away on the back of good ideas that are mismanaged. And until we take the time to be better managers, I think, and move ideas uh, to schedule events that's going to continue to be just that, you know, good ideas. If we don't figure something out, all we're going to come up with is some good ideas. So obviously, all of us here wants to go farther than just the good idea. We need good ideas, but we want to go farther than that. And, and here's what I learned about guys. Once we get guys involved, and of course, here's the challenge, and what I'm going to share with you today, this is something we call Project 13. It's a ministry that we found from a gentleman, uh, a Reverend Kennedy out of West Texas. I'm sorry, North Texas. I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate that. North Texas. And um, he works there with men's ministry with the assemblies. And, and he's come up with something that is just a tool. Guys, there's nothing magic in Project 13, but it's a tool that I think, just something like this, that any DNA could fit this tool. So we've got to figure something out. First thing we need to do is take a look at, at, at who we want to reach. And, and I, of course, we say we want to reach the men. Okay, which men? Which men are we talking about? I think the first men we need to look for is we've got to look at the men in our own church. And you may say, well, I don't have very many. Yeah, but how many do you have? 
And you may say, well, all these guys never step up. Well, how long has it been since they were really challenged? How long has it been since maybe you just sat down and had a heart-to-heart as a pastor or a leader in the church saying, guys, help me out here, and maybe even sharing some of these statistics. And by the way, guys, you can pull this stuff up on our men's ministry uh, through the uh, network office. You can just get on the network office, look up men's ministry, and we'll make this available where you can download um, even this PowerPoint of today, which I'm not able to show you because... We can't get on the Internet here to figure this out. But, but, you, but you can download that. In fact, we also have a 20-minute, somewhere around a 20-minute uh, presentation of what I'm, some of what I'm sharing you here today that you can download also to get a little more of an idea of what's going on. Um, so we got some things that we're trying to figure out here. And one of the things that we've also done, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to make sure I don't forget this today. And that is we, we're trying to get reps, you know, youth reps in every one of our, I'm sorry, men's ministry reps in every one of our areas. And I think we're down, we've just got three more areas to go. And we are training these reps. And these reps are going to be willing in any area of our state. If you would like for a rep to come in and sit down with some of your leaders or, or yourself or, or your pastor or anyone, they're willing to come in and sit down and to share this Project 13 with you and to help you to get this thing going. So we're really trying to make it possible if, 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 the, if there's an interest. And once again, just by here today, obviously there's quite an interest in, in doing something for men. So we've taken this structure, if you would, and, and just uh, for an analogy, we're using um, a contractor, if you will, the, uh, the, uh, building a, a structure. And, and the contractor would be someone that we are actually looking at as, as the leader, and we're just going to call him the white hat. He's, he's the guy in charge. And, and most of the time, that's going to be the pastor. He's the one that can make that happen. But guys, what would it be like if, if men came up around us and said, Pastor, you're doing too much. Let me come in and take some of these ministries. Let me help you with some of these ministries. The first thing most of us would do is, um, uh, you know what, um, thank you, but I'm doing pretty good. I can handle this because we're notorious for not letting go. But you never think about it this way. Maybe, just maybe, Conan, what's the t- statistic? One pastor can pastor up to... They said one pastor... Uh, can effectively pastor 111 people. And so 112 comes in, and they either somebody falls off the backside because they're not being cared for or loved, uh, or that person can't get in because there's no spot. So, just maybe the reason the average Assembly of God church in the United States is somewhere around, help me out here, what was the last statistic? Anybody remember? 80. Was 80. it 80? And you know why it's that high? Because the mega churches are in there. 80 is not even the, an accurate number. The average size of a, not just assemblies, I mean, seriously, guys across the board is somewhere around 50 people. But you see what happens? One guy can do everything. He can do it all. But maybe if, we, if somebody would come to offer some help, and especially in my mind, if a man would come up and say, Pastor, you think we could do something to try to get some more men in our church? That we would jump all over that. But the thing is, if I'm pastoring my 50 to 100 people, I'm a busy man. I don't have the time to do a lot more extra stuff. As a pastor, I know what that's like. So we need to somehow start mentoring and pouring in to people that will help us. So I challenge you to look into your local church. And you might even be amazed at who you would find if you really begin to pray and to seek God on this. God, show me who the man is. Show me who in this church could just maybe step up. Just step up. 
I'm going to ask Conan to share another thought with me. Conan, you had a guy in your church that sat there for quite a while. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what happened there. You just know what I'm talking about? Fresh memory. Yeah. Okay, it's the guy that came in and he attended for what a year or so, and then one day something came up and you said, "Hey, could you do this?" And also, this guy's a thousand bucks. He's a million dollars in your in your congregation. Yeah. I, we've had several of those stories where I think men are just they're looking for an opportunity, and because we have, you know, I always say vision creates space, and if we have no, if we don't have a large vision, then there's no space for anybody to jump in. I think you look at the scripture, Ephesians four. 11 and 12, right, that says, man, the work of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we did, we had a guy come in, and he just kind of sat there, and uh, I said, I finally went to him, and, you know, as a pastor, I have so many people coming to me for, hey, will you, can I get counseling, can I walk with you? Man, I'm going through a drug addiction, I'm going through, and I'd go, hey, I got a guy who's went through this. Uh, that was always my line. I got a guy, and then I would connect him with this guy, and I said, he goes, what do I do? I said, just go sit with him. He goes, well, I don't know what to do. I said, well, do you know where God got you? He said, yeah, he took me through a lot of stuff. You take him there. I said, in other words, we use this analogy, whatever God's put in your cup is always asking us to do is to empty our cup. Well, he's given you that much. Well, then you pour out that much. So this guy's like, well, I can do that. And so he started sitting with these guys, and he walks with them until they feel they've walked through that issue in their life. And uh, so I go, man, we could do this in more than just one instance. So I think we have men in our, in our churches that if we gave them an opportunity like that, hey, could I come to you and would you walk with a guy? So uh, it worked. It worked. And once again, a couple of these guys would sit there for a year before we even found out they had any gifts. You really could be surprised. Guys, I really encourage you to look into this. So here's what we're challenging here today. Today I'd like for us to take a look. How can we connect men to men? And how can we grow healthy men? And how can we activate the men? I think the goal to provide some thought-provoking ideas today is what we're after here uh, to kind of kickstart this journey. So the first step, I think, in developing a real, well-rounded men's ministry. Okay, let me, let me say this too. Guys, if this ministry doesn't happen in the first year or two, quit. Now, how many of you know I'm not telling you the truth at this exact moment here? Okay, Of course we don't quit. You may sometimes, we look at it and say, well, there's only two or three guys. Hey, if you had 50 guys, would those two or three guys be in the 50? Yes, right? Don't have to think that we've got to blow this thing out. But I'm believing what will happen when you begin to be faithful to God and you begin to minister to one or two men, all of a sudden things are going to happen because it's a God thing then. Then His multiplication comes in. So we need to figure out, once again, connecting men to men. And men inside the church, we need to first of all see if we can connect them together and then give them avenues that provide opportunities to connect, to, uh, to connect men in their communities. And men in the churches, the statistics tell us that men who connect to other men within the church are 60% less likely to leave the church. Just by connecting with a buddy, somebody to go out and play some tennis with, somebody to go out and uh, shoot some clays with, somebody to go out and hunt with, somebody to go to the, an Indians game, whatever it may be, but somebody to hang out with. Guys, we need somebody like that. Everybody needs somebody like that. Why shouldn't the Christians be the ones that's hanging out with the unbelievers? Or are you more like the Pharisee mindset? What? All he does is hang out with sinners, talking about Jesus, right? That's all he did. Well, we should learn from that, how important that is. What about the men, once again, we got the men in our church. What about the men in our community? 
What about the men who have yet to attend the church? And again, statistics reveal a sharp decline in the number of men who are actually attending church services. I think it's imperative, guys. Here's the thing you've got to figure out. You've got to learn, and, and let me just somehow call it a, let's call it a soft entry point where guys can come to church in a non-threatening event. Guys, you know what? We're going to put some horseshoe pits out back. And once again, some of you younger, younger guys going, horseshoes? You know. Okay, cornhole. That's right. See, today it's cornhole. But, okay, do the cornhole thing. But you're just going to do something, and that day, and once again, guys, listen. It doesn't always have to be spiritual. Because we learned something about men today. Back in the day, it used to be that, how you, the old philosophy, if you would, is that uh, a lot, uh, many years ago, is that a man, if, when a man believes in Christ, he then changes his behavior in order to belong to the group. He got saved, now he changes his behavior, and he'll be a part of the church. That's the old philosophy. That's the way I was raised. That's the way I remember. But guys, we're learning something about today's man. There's a new philosophy, if you will. Because uh, in today's culture, men have isolated themselves. And they're not likely to believe unless they first find a sense of belonging. They've got to find the belonging first. They've got to be a part of something first. A part of some guys that meets every Monday and throws horseshoes. I mean, what? Occasionally a guy will throw a, 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 you know, a grill in and they'll cook some, grill some hamburgers and hot dogs on one of the Monday nights. So guys, do we start right off and, and really, I mean, once again, guys, we just got to pour into men. We just got to let them know that they're important. And if we're going to reach the days, whether we like it or not, it's immaterial. It's a proven fact. They got to find a sense of belonging. And once a man, a man finds a sense of acceptance and belonging, that's when he's going to consider believing the behavior of change will come as he walks out his faith with another. I shared with some of you before, but there was a man in my church. We used Top Gun. My church, we do our own Top Gun thing, and then we take the top three guys, and they end up going to the state. And, and every church is welcome to do this. Guys, got a lot of stuff coming up, trying some new things to reach men in some way. We had a guy in our church, his wife came. She could not get him to come, but she knew he liked to shoot guns. So what do you do? When we started shooting guns, she told him about it. He goes, man, i got to check this out. His name was John Duffy. John came that day, went out with us, we shot, we came back to the church for uh, uh, some chili and, and, and soup and some fellowship, and, he, and after everything was over, he said, uh, Reverend, could I talk to you a minute? I said, sure. He goes, man, he said, you know what, you, you Christians are like real people. I go, what? I was like, what? Yeah, you guys are like real people. He said, I thought you guys was all judgmental and all these things, and you know what, guys, I think... In the past, maybe we have been some of that, you know, where if you don't get it right, sorry, you can't be a part of our church until you get that habit beat, till you do this, till you do that, instead of maybe walking with these guys on their journey to help them overcome some of these things. Guys, the church has been, they got this, 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 you know, Hollywood's made us look like we're a bunch of Fruit Loops, okay, but it's also made it look like we're a bunch of hate mongers, you know, because and you try to tell them you don't hate the sinner, you just hate the sin. Well, the world doesn't get that. Of course, they don't want to get that. And the enemy really works on that. And there's people out there, there's men out there that think uh, that Christians are just, you know, like, well, let me use that term again. Just a bunch of crazy fruit loops, you know, that's judgmental. If I go there, they'll judge me. Well, John found out that isn't what happened. And that man began, that man began to come to church. A few months later, he gave his life to Christ. 
And after about six months of being a Christian, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And before the next six months showed up, he passed away. But I'm thinking, God, thank you. You know, thank you, God. Something as, as trivial as going out and shooting pistols. But you see, that was a soft entry point. There wasn't nothing spiritual about it. It was just a time to come and hang out with some guys. And I'm telling you, folks, uh, fellows, that guys, the churches and guys today are looking for somebody just to come and hang out, just to belong. There, there, there's something there. And, and so once again, we, we, if we took a moment to determine the kind of men in our church that we already have, um, and by using some common interests that already exists. My church, I've got some guys that love to hunt. We've got some hunters in our, in our, in our group, and I've got some guys that love to shoot. So I've got some outdoorsmen, and we put some of these different things together, and, and not, it's not for everybody. You've got to figure out what fits your DNA. You may not have a hunter in your church. You may not have a person that likes to shoot, but what is it that they do like? See, this is where you've got to brainstorm. This is where you've got to sit down, and this is also where you have to pray. And I, you will be amazed at the ideas that Holy Spirit will drop into your heart. But once again, he's like that, isn't he? But guys, let me just make this statement one more time. I'm going to move on to this one thought. Never be discouraged that everyone doesn't participate in every event. If two or three men make a strategic connection, that's a win. It's a win. So we need to look at that. We need to do our best to, to, to connect with men. And, and what, what we would do with Project 19, we would come in and help show you how to do that. I mean, we will come in and, and, and show you a, a connect example for, and just to read some of them. Men's night out, bowling, golf, motorcycle rides, fishing, softball, disc golf, hunting trips, basketball, fantasy football and baseball, um, UFC. I still, I'm amazed at how many guys still love, it was WWF back in my day. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> they still love this stuff, man. And, and uh, Okay, I'm not going there. But you've got gamer. You've got fathers and sons things that you can do. You know, we have mother-daughters maker. We've done them for years. Where's the father-son activity? Get the boys out there. This year we're coming up not only with bow, we're going, or not only with pistol, but this year in our, in our state level we're going to invite guys to bring their boys out and let's do some bow shooting. We're going to have some bow and arrows there and, and it's enough that the little guys can use and the adults can use. And we're going to set up a little trail. You walk through the woods and all of a sudden there's a, a deer over there, a target. You're going to walk a little farther. There's a wild boar. and You know, I think that would be a great time to bring your son out or... Maybe bring a couple boys in the church that doesn't have a father. How awesome would that be? So, so once again, it's just that soft entry. Whatever it is, is something to get them there. Don't you? I mean, that's the goal. We've got to get them there. So you sit down sometime with some guys. And i got some of my guys here today. And um, this is what's going to happen at the end of our Connect group. We're, we're going to sit down with some of these guys. And we're going to begin to plan out. And we're going to look at some of these things. I'm right, I'm right now on the very uh, beginning steps in our own church to have a men's ministry. So I'd love to stand up here and tell you that I got it figured out, guys, once again. This is what you do. It works every time. Well, what's going to work for me may not work for you. What would work for you? So we got to figure out your DNA. And that's why the reps will come around and sit down with you. What kind of interest groups ideas would work with your guys? Think about it. Look who you have. Even start asking around. Hey, what's some fun things you do? What do you do when you're not working and stuff like that? You know, I love to go to movies, man. I just love movies. Let's have a movie night. 
I mean, if there's guys that love the movies, it doesn't matter what it is, does it? I love to grill steaks. <laughs> You're my favorite. You come on out here. We will hook you up one night. We'll just have you grill a bunch of steaks and then offer a man a steak and see what happens. Okay, a free one at that. So most men's ministry, once again, they perish on the back of good ideas and they perish on mismanagement until we take that time to be better managers. I want to repeat it for you and move ideas to schedule events that will continue to be. It will continue just to be nothing but a good idea. So, guys, here's the thing for men. You got to put it on paper. You got to put it in their hands. You got to when you're going to do something, you got to put it on the calendar. It's got to be important enough that you go to the secretary or the church or, or through your pastor, of course, and say, Pastor, this is what we'd like to do. These are some of the events. Let's see if we can coordinate these. Put them on the calendar. It'd be how good would it be to have somebody that would phone the guys and remind them about the upcoming events? And guys, okay, here's another thing. I wish I had some big bolt of lightning. I say, guys, here's the big one. But I've learned something about pastoring and ministering to any group. It's the small things that make it the big things. It's the small things that makes it successful. And as you are ministering to men and you're reaching out to men, this is going to work. It's going to work, guys. But you have to make it happen. If it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. And it's extremely difficult, I think, for churches to manage, as you know, several departments at once. So to ensure the success of your event... You've got to verify the dates. You've got to have somebody that's going to take the time, guys, and not play games with it, but I'm going to do it. And, and what's great about doing it, sit down and do a whole year. And if, it, and if something comes up and something interferes or that something's not going to work, well, you can change it. But it's on the calendar. And people are looking. Of course, you try to keep it. If you put it on the calendar, make it happen. Don't let them just slide by you. Don't let them slide by you. And you know what you need to do even on that calendar? What's good is not only put your church events, put, your, put, put Top Gun on there. Top shot. Put that on there. Put that softball tournament on there. Something that the men are going to do. And you figure out some more things to put on there. Color code them. Let blue be your church events. Let red be your uh, your, your network events. Let uh, a yellow be your uh, national events. Big uh, campouts and different things like that that happens. And there, there, there's all kind of seasonal suggestions, if you will, that can help you capitalize uh, even on yearly events. And they can look at that and see what that's all about. I want to take just a moment to explain to you the growth principle. Now, this is what comes later. What has to come first is you've got to do one of these, guys. You've got to roll the sleeves up, and you're going to have to get down and dirty, so to speak. You're going to have to get right down to the grassroots, and you've got to make it happen. And the way we do that is, is, is by what we've already talked about, simplicity. But, guys, it's necessary. It's what makes it a success. But the growth principle, how does this discipleship ship, okay, work? Okay, answer one of the questions. The discipleship strategy, if you will. How do we disciple? How do we get them to that point? Well, first of all, you've got to find them. First of all, they have to come. And when they find out that you are like real people, you're like you Christians are really people, just like everybody, and you're not judgmental, now you will begin to have an opportunity to mentor these guys. And sometimes they might not even come to the church. Well, once you get one-on-one with a guy, it's not like girls. You know, girls, you put them in a group and they tell all. I mean, they just go take off and they'll cry. The other ones will come around and they're crying with them. And it's like, whatever, you know, can you see guys doing that? I don't think so. But what guys enjoy is one on one. So we need to start looking. Uh, it's like when somebody, uh, a man walks into your, uh, into an outing or something like that. Maybe he's probably going to be there because somebody invited him. 
So whoever that someone is needs to really plug into this guy. And, and maybe there's others in the group, too, that would just walk right and say, hey, man, how you doing? My name is Keith. You know, really good to have you here today. Hey, you got a horseshoe partner? You need a horseshoe partner? How about, how about throwing with me? You know, just uh, so, uh, what's happening right there? I mean, all of a sudden, it's like, uh, yeah, okay, man, yeah, I'd come to throw some horseshoes. Be, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And then after we win, okay, I'm just saying. Okay, after we, after we try real hard and are very competitive, okay, and we try to win, uh, you know what? Win or lose, we've made a connection, haven't we? And then I'm going to go sit down with a guy and talk with him and stuff. And you know what? What would happen after that if we just, maybe a few days later, you were talking to him and say, hey, man, uh, how about going out for a cup of coffee sometime? You say, uh, you know, and, and, I, and you may say, well, it's too much too fast. Guys, I'm telling you, men today are looking for relationships. They're looking for a buddy, a friend, somebody to hang out with. I'll tell you what, I went hunting this year. Conan and I did down in West Virginia. And the guy we hunt with invited his neighbor, who's, who is a trip, okay? I mean, he's probably an alcoholic. Not probably, okay. He, what is it? He needed Jesus. He needed Jesus. I just put it right there. <laughs> needed Jesus bad. And he's, you know, using his language and everything. And then when he found out we, we were both preachers, like, whoa. <laughs> and, and then it was like, well, you know, them guys didn't judge me. I mean, they didn't get bad, you know, bad-mouthing me or anything, so it might not be too bad. But here's what the man told us. He was going to buy the property. And he called me a week or two later. He said, Keith, now, when I buy that property, I still want you and your son to come and hunt with us. I said, well, what about all your hunting buddies? He goes, they're heathens. <laughs> I said, okay, man. <laughs> Not that I know why they're heathen. I mean, but, you know, okay. And he said, but my boys, I want to bring my sons, and I want influences like you and your son around my boys. Guys, what's that? Man, stuff like that gives me chills. I mean, it's just, is this not men crying out? Is this not what men's looking for? We say, no, nah, they ain't going to lie. Maybe, you know, I don't drink and do what they do. They won't want to hang around me. Guys, you're wrong. People are looking for something that's real. Now, you know, every church has hypocrites. Would you say that's true? Okay, well, which ones of you in here are the hypocrites? Would you raise your hand so we can identify? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, okay. You, you know, the, 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 the world believes the church is full of hypocrites, right? People who are, are fakes. Well, what they have to learn out is that that's not true in all cases, okay? It's not true with you. You're not a hypocrite. You are who you are. You love God. And if there's anything you can do to help, you want to do that. So once again, now we get to pour into these guys. Well, we have the yellow hat. The yellow hat takes three guys. That, well, doesn't have to be three, depending on the size of your church. Take one of your guys in your church, begin to pour into him. Begin pastor or leader. Begin to mentor this guy. Begin to mentor him. And he's the guy, when a guy comes up and said, says something like, man, and Kona's got it right too. Somebody's going to come up and say, you know, I, I'm in, in my life, you know, I mean, I'm going through a divorce and stuff. I've got guys in my church that's been through that. Who would I plug them into? A guy that's been married 50 years? Maybe. I don't know. But I think it would relate more to a guy that maybe has been there, knows the hurt, knows the pain, and can reach out to a man like this. And, and then what happens? Okay, you teach this yellow hat, whatever his gifts are, wherever he's at. You show him how. And, and guys, we're not asking this man to become a clinical psychiatrist. Okay, No, just be there and listen. Be there. Call the man up. Say, hey, man, I've been praying for you. How you doing with that? I want to hold you a little accountable here. How can we help you with that? And this, 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 this blue hat now, we've got the white hat training the blue hat. And once the blue hat gets a man or two maybe under his ministry, he's going to now pour into a yellow hat. We can call him whatever you'd like, but we're going to pour into another man. And then he could teach up to three men. For you that can see, 
Once again, I couldn't get this to work, but you can draw the circles maybe a little bit. Exactly what it is. He's already on it, man. It's my son. I taught him well. And this is why I sent him to college, too, right here. So he can learn stuff just like that. Okay, man? So, hey. Okay. Okay, right here, you got the white hat, okay? He's the pastor, and, and usually, sometimes the pastor or tra- train a guy, say, okay, you're the white hat now, man. You know what to do. You just keep me informed. You know, just keep me right here. So I love to know what's going to be a part of this. So he's going to pour into blue hats. And once again, we may start with just one blue hat. Now you've got two guys that's able to minister, the pastor and one other guy, because that master, that pastor is mentored and, and poured into this man. So then, then when he picks up a couple guys, he's going to turn right back around and start pouring in to some more guys. But we never give him more than three guys. These, these guys right here, these guys are now reporting. They're trying to, you know, reporting him. He's, he's checking up on these guys, and these guys are checking up on their people, saying, hey, man, how's things going? And we even got a list that we will put in your hands of questions to train your guys what they would say if they went out for a cup of coffee. I mean, just stuff. No big deal. But also we have an evaluation sheet that will help you understand what's going on when they come out of that meeting and they get back home. They sit down for a minute and just start going over some things saying, you know, how'd that meeting go today? Do I feel like it's my fifth time to meet with this guy? Do I see any progress? And hopefully you'll say, you know what? I think I think we're getting through. I think something good starting to happen. So you're, you're keeping a track of, of, evangel- of discipleship on how to reach these guys, not just to have coffee and talk about the, you know, I started saying the Browns, we don't uh, talk about, talk about the Buckeyes, I love it. Talk about the Buckeyes, and right now, even uh, the Cavs, you know. <laughs> okay, you guys know what I'm saying, because we can do that, but you want to bring it to a point where you can actually minister to the guy. You can actually say something that, that might impact his life. And if they won't open it up first time or two, so what? Meet him again the third time. Pretty soon, they're going to realize they can trust you, but they have to trust you. It has to come to that. Um, very quickly, just to, just to kind of close out here, um, and obviously, guys, there's no way to get all this material in. But Project 13, and if you look up here, if Conan did it right, there's 13 circles up here, okay? Uh, counting the pastor there. There's 13 circles. And that's where, that's where the Project 13, just the name, comes in. Uh, and you'll never, once again, when you get to this point, you'll come over here and start with another white hat and start off with another one. You know what I'm saying? This, this thing here, is just, all this is a tool to help you be able to get help, even more help, to reach out to more men. Guys, once again, um, it would be wonderful in 45 minutes if I could tell you how to solve and, and, and make this a very successful ministry in your church. But we are willing to come. We've got men that, like I said, that are being trained that are willing to come. I personally would be willing to come to any area that would... Uh, like for me to come and just share something like this a little bit, to at least get an idea of what it is to make it available. And then if there's interest, then we can have someone step in. Uh, I, I mean, I'd be glad to step in myself and, and, uh, and help out and, uh, and try to help get a, a ministry off the ground. Certainly want to be there for any phone calls or texts or anything to say, what about this? Or what do you think about this? Or you got any ideas on this? And, and guys, I'm just saying, I don't have to verify or prove to you any farther the need for a men's ministry. In, in a setting like this. Absolutely. You know, how we have done this, again, what's, in my dad's church is going to look different than ours. What we're doing is we're, we're doing a thing called Man Up. So uh, we're starting it in June. We've done something similar. We, man, all the men in the church, we invite them there. I'm actually, as the pastor, hopefully got a little more leverage. I'm going to speak 
uh, a message on fight, okay, is the theme. We're going with the Craig Rochelle. He's got a whole thing we're doing, right, a whole curriculum. So I'm just teaching that curriculum. Then I'm going to have Men Pray for Men. Before that meeting, I'm going to sit down with, we got about 15 of these guys that we have selected, 15 to 20 in our church, and I'm going to go, we're going to hand you three to four guys at the end of this event. So we stand up, every, all the guys are there, we're having fun, we got games and stuff, good just guy time, preaching, we do a little altar response, we're praying for them, and then we say, hey, we're going to break you up into groups of three to four right now. We got leaders, they're going to raise their hand, I want you to connect with them right now. So then they're kind of choosing their own groups, and then those smaller groups, now I've just plugged this guy into a handful of these guys, and they're going to walk through questions off of the message that was taught. So that is a simple way that we have done that. And I've told those guys, hey, with every week, I want you to get their phone numbers and I want you to text them. How you doing? How can I pray for you? What can I hold you accountable for? You know, we use the PACE analogy, P-A-C-E, prayer, accountability, confession, and encouragement. I said, if you just ask them those four questions, how can I pray for you? How can I hold you accountable? Is there anything you need to share with me? How can I encourage you today? So that's one way we've taken this, Project 13, and farmed it down. So. Made it happen. And once again, guys, this is down the road a little bit. Don't let something like this go like, oh, man. And, of course, he does run around 800, so that helps a little bit. He needs a few more men than most of us. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, guys, once again, I, I, I just think something like this is a beginning. Is it not a start? It's something to say, hey, at least we've got some, a tool here that we can put some DNA onto. Very quickly, uh, a question or two if we got. Yes. Absolutely. Good point. Younger men that need that male role model, that someone from the church that can come in and fill that gap and be a male role model in yep. your life and fill that void that are fatherless and need that guy. Excellent. And guys, in this day and age, our young men need role models more than ever before, it seems like to me. Or maybe this is just a result of not having role models of what happens. But we need to step up. Guys, we need to step up. Over there. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, a question. No. Um, so I know obviously you can define success in various ways, but success for a person with 50, a church of 50 is different in men's ministry from a church of someone with 800. So how do you define success irrelevant of numbers? Great. Well, what, Great. Do you, what does that look like? What, what kind of culture is in a church with men? It yep. has nothing to do with numbers. And if you see these kind of men in your church, you've got to thrive in men's ministry. Excellent. And you know what that involves? What if one man got fired up for God in your church? Seriously. And then that man just begin to look and go on the hunt. I, even in a congregation of 50, there's got to be more men. Or he can go to some of them ladies and say, what's your husband's interest? I mean, when's the last time we went to any of the wives that's husband's not there and said, what's your husband's interest? Is there something he enjoys doing? And then if then you yourself, or if you've got another guy or two that's willing to work with you, say, you know what? He likes to bowl. Take that man bowling. So basically what, you, what you're saying is what sparks it is just caring. Absolutely. Just caring Absolutely. Helping this man to, to have a friend, to help him somehow to help him. Once again, they have to belong in this day and age before they're going to join, if you will. They got to be a part of something. They're going to belong first. And, and one of the guys was saying in one of the classes that he had a guy that comes and, and helps him in the church all the time. But the guy's, 
you know, smokes his pot and, and he's just all kinds of junk, you know. And for a year and a half, he just kept coming and, and, and the preacher just kept putting him to work, you know, doing stuff, uh, helping with the parking and helping uh, cleaning the church and things like that. But then one day he walks to the pastor's office and said, today's the day. The guy said, today's what? I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. I want to get, I want to get saved today. And the preacher, man, he said he prayed with that boy and they just had a great, a great worship time. Took a year and a half. But does it matter how long it takes? And guys, it doesn't matter how, what the group is. Little things like that. If you, once again, hopefully you just spark something to make you start thinking in those realms. Stopping and looking at little things like, you know, the wives. What does your husband enjoy doing? He likes to hunt. I don't know if you've got a place to hunt or if you're a hunter at all. You need to hook him up somehow. You know, of course, what's always good about that is he might hook you up with a better hunting spot. Okay, that's a hunter talking. We won't go there. <laughs> hey, guys, I want to thank you. Sorry, I don't want to rush, but we've got to get to that next session. Thank you so much for coming today. And, hey, thank you.